0: Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time.
1: This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about liquid roulette, somersaults, and we have part one of our interview with Ollie Taffer from The Global Returns Project.
0: Hello and welcome to The Kindness Project. I am joined by a girl who uh, has made me an origami bowl and has made me the strongest coffee in the world. <laughs> it's Charlotte Dames. And I'm also is she thinks of an intro, joined by a man who, for some bizarre reason, agreed to dress up like a cheerleader earlier today. It's Russ! How are we doing, guys? Hello, mate. Uh, uh,
1: we're, well, I'm doing good. I can't say to speak for us all. <laughs> but uh, we're joined by a man who asks for a coffee and sometimes he'll expect a tea when it comes back. It's Chris <laughs>
0: Yeah, you do you do like to give me a surprise hot drink every now and again. I don't know whether you've I've asked for a coffee and you give me a hot chocolate ever. No, I, I wouldn't I, waste my hot chocolate on
1: a practical <laughs> joke.
0: Yeah. So uh so yeah, you sometimes I get a tea, sometimes I get a coffee. It's hot drink roulette, people. That's what we're <laughs> playing here. I never know what I'm gonna get.
1: Sometimes I have <laughs> Sometimes
0: I can't be bothered. If I'm making myself a tea and he asks for a coffee, I ain't going to... Sometimes she makes me a tea without even asking. Not very often. Sometimes uh, I ask, she says yes, and then she doesn't make me a tea for like two days. Sometimes I ask for a coffee and it's a tea. Sometimes I ask for a tea and it's coffee. Sometimes I ask for a tea and it's a... Water?
1: Um, I've never given you boiled water
0: in a (laughs) mug. No, you haven't, you haven't. And nice, how are you? And what compelled you to offer to dress having the cheerleaders out there earlier? Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> just, uh, Clearly not, cheerleader Ross. I like the pom poms.
1: <laughs> they are fun. You yeah. like the pom poms?
0: Yeah. yeah. What an answer. What do you like about the pom poms? I'm a bit of a chunk, though. I don't think I can do the somersaults, and nobody could You look can. Me. You can. I reckon I reckon you could put up. I reckon you could put up a pretty amazing somersault, to be honest. Uh Ross. Could you do a somersault, Donna? No. I'd try.
1: Uh it depends what kind of somersault we're talking about, like American or English definition. Sorry, what's the difference between an
0: American <laughs> and an the English difference? somersault?
1: The Americans they call forward rolls somersaults. No, they don't. There's a <laughs> <Yeah>. rolling <laughs> pond <isn't it? laughs> So
0: what's a what, what's a British somersault and what's an American somersault?
1: The full off the grounds.
0: Is a British somersault or an American soma? No, British somersault. A, a British somersault is a good-looking bird in summer. <laughs> I'm normally guilty of bad jokes. I am I am normally killed. You've made Charlotte rub her eyes in disgust. She's like ah. Uh, a good-looking good girl in summer is a summer soul, grass yeah. So are you still living in the 80s? What do you want to say about that, Charlotte? In terms of like
1: <laughs> feminism and
0: equality and all that sort of good stuff.
1: As soon as it was said, i lost interest in the conversation <laughs> and I found something in my eyebrow. <laughs>
0: you've, uh, you've you've, given Charlotte the opportunity to find some wildlife in her eyebrow. Um, I'm still trying to get to this. <laughs> Should we class over that That's, what, what's a French somersault then? No. So you can get yourself a bit more trouble.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll leave that one. Um so let's talk about um version of the podcast. Let's do it. Before we announce the QOTB, let's uh do you like that Q O T B? Quot. Quot. Before quot. we announce the quat, here's how you can get in touch.
1: <laughs> what are you doing? Um,
0: I am poking you.
1: <laughs> that's my neck, it's weird. Um. Stop
0: poking me, nobody can see you poking me. Doesn't matter, go, on, go.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm supposed to wear out all the kindness. On Posting, if you just type the of project into the search bar, we should come up. Same goes for Google, uh, not MySpace. We had an unfortunate accident on MySpace <laughs> <laughs> that we don't talk about. Uh, well,
0: it, it, it was that day we let Russell post his own jokes on MySpace that it all went wrong. <laughs> so Oh, God. We'll never live that one down.
1: We never will. Uh, if you want to go directly to the website without the faff of Google, it's www.com. <laughs> um, All of our stuff is on there. Have fun. Free for all. Yeah, you know what? Every the single
0: episode. Let me episode to be in there, right? So I lose count. We're 100. This is 193. You what? <laughs> yeah, 193. I'm going to spat at me really strong coffee there. <laughs> just, uh, just while why we're on the subject of Somersault and not living it down though, Don't tell anyone bad jokes, Ross. Since I've been hosting with you, the numbers have gone right up. Oh. <laughs> it's you, Russ. It's you and your jokes. Maybe we should give Russ his own, like, segment of the show. Oh,
1: you could
0: take off me once a month. No, I'm fine. trying to get away with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, with jokes
0: like Summer Salt, Russ, the only way is down. Um, right, anyway. Yeah,
1: after today, I don't think that... Peak is gonna last
0: much longer. No, no, but well done, Raz. Uh, email. It's all you. Uh, honor at the candle. Kindest... No. <laughs>
1: honor, <laughs> honor, honor, honor at the
0: candle. Kindest... Holla, look out now! It's holla, holla. Holla
1: at the kindness project nope. like
0: <laughs> and the question, I'm,
1: I was I, like, is that is that the email? that for how some
0: you know bizarre reason it? I found myself so amused and I had a little snort. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever make yourself
0: laugh so much? Do you go.
1: <laughs> hi, hi, I, hi I to said. another late night edition of the. Oh,
0: uh, you know what? We should never, ever, ever record late at night because it always. Um, and I, I say that at night, we've we've been at college and work all day.
1: You've
0: been at college? Where
1: it's, do you go to college?
0: Not, uh, Where do you go to college? <laughs> um, that's one for our older viewers. Um, um, i got the joke. um uh, but not it's uh, it's not late at no. night it's 8 15 but, but after recording a long day. recording after a long day and these ones always seem to descend in a into a bit of a mess don't they
1: yeah
0: and we're getting yeah. there on that anyway we haven't done <laughs> excuse me the question of the podcast which is who's your celebrity look like who do you look like me. Listeners of the Kindness Project, <laughs> um, uh, who people would recognise in the street. How about you, Russ? You're Churchill walking around Norfolk in your cheerleader's outfit. Other people go and you look like Britney Spears, yeah? Britney Spears? <laughs> <laughs> Britney Spears. Churchill the Nodding Dog. <laughs> Churchill the Nodding Dog. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh
1: yes. Did he not get a rebound recently?
0: I don't know, but you can do quite an impression of the church with nothing, Doug. Oh, you? can I? Go on and give it a go. Oh yes.
1: No. I've lost it. <laughs> oh, yes. oh yes, no. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, oh yes, no. no.
1: Um,
0: so do you get, Charlotte? Do you I yeah. get any lookalikes? I don't know. I don't know if you've got any lookalikes. I am unique.
1: uniquely
0: wonderful. You are unique. Um oh, uh, yeah. uh, I've had a few of them at time Um uh, but some i'm going to save for next week but we'd love to hear your perspective and point of view listeners who do you think is your lookalike who, who I, do you think my lookalike you should be
1: that one guy who comes up with you search my name that's me <laughs> yeah. so when
0: people search for you on google why i come up
1: yeah
0: and mum. you, and you so. remind me of steve Buscemi. steve Buscemi. I mean he's, he's an amazing actor, but he looks nothing like me. Steve Buscemi. Good for you? No, I mean so is. You're not acting. For killer. on Steve's behalf, because clearly he's a handsome man. But Steve Buscemi. All right, Churchill the nodding dog, turn it in. I'm gonna get on with the show. I look forward, listeners, to hearing who you Believe you look like, or you've been told you look like. And we'll talk more about that next week. But for now, we're going to have a little bit of. So, the first story we've got um, from www, the amazing website, www.positive.news, is about bicycle library that's opened up in a shop in London. Residents can borrow bikes of free and take part in Riding Guides to Build Confidence. You mean Guided in an, Rides? Uh, what do I say? Riding Guides. I said Riding Guides. You know. Anyway, show, shows that I'm not coherent. Guided Rides to Build coherent. Confidence. Coherent. A popular bicycle library in Tower Hamlets uh, aims to address uh, helping people jump in the saddle who lack the confidence, knowledge, and equipment to get riding. It launched in popularly this well transforming an empty shop into a bicycle hub where children and adults living locally can borrow bikes for free. Chris Street Community Cycles. So I don't know Chris Street. The market there. Chris. Um, it went, it looks like Chris, but I think everybody from there just says Chris. It's called Chris. Chris Street Market. Chris. Also, the P is silent. It's a silent P. Um, <laughs> also provides free cycle advice. Free bike repairs and guided rides to help people people build their nice confidence. The month-long pilot is a partnership between the environmental environmental charity that is such a good name. I'm going to let you say it.
1: Hubbub
0: Environmental Charity, Hubbub, Popular Harker Housing Association, and the Walking and Cycling Charity Sunstrands. So amazing work Sustrans. at Sastrans. and the amazing work Hubbub. Harker Housing Association and Sustrans for uh helping people in Poplar get around on their bikes. Um beep and beep. then the oh, next well. one is next uh kindness news is neighbors secretly plan a hokey pokey birthday flash mob for 90-year-old super fan of the song. The night this 93-year-old woman has an obsession. It's not an unusual collection of plates or a passion for exotic. Exactly- Exotic reptiles. It's a song, and one song o- only: the Hokey Pokey. Now I can tell this is America because uh, in England we call the Hokey Pokey by a different name: the language. Hokey
1: Cokey. We
0: call it the Hokey Cokey, and I'm saying that the Hokey Cokey is the right way to say it. Yeah, you do the
1: Hokey Cokey and it's never But around. for Finnish bink drinkers.
0: Mrs B, she's affectionately known around the town in Prairie Village, Kansas. It's really what it's all about. It's such a fun, joyous song, Mrs B, recently told Steve Hartman from CBS. And Mrs B wanted to share the love even if it became a bit annoying to her neighbour. She gave Menly Mendries a copy of her Hokey Bokey CD, People saying Hokey Bokey, Hokey Cokey CD, and anxiously really hokey awaited hokey her friend's thing. conversion, from somebody who merely, merely knew the song to a die-hard fan who wanted to do the dance. When proof of such a change in sentiments wasn't forthcoming, the enthusiastic senior became something of a nudge often calling Mendries to see if she's experienced her okey pokey epiphany yet just imagine somebody knocking on your door every few days and going i'm Maud, your old neighbor have you uh, do you love the okey pokey yet no not yet Maud. oh right, it's, be back it's in
1: me, a this is me um i have a deep love for the okey <laughs> <laughs> no not doing that i have a deep love for the okey pokey how about sorry? you sorry why did you go hokey pokey, not hokey cokey? Because that's how it's written. And that's how she would have said it. But it's the hokey cokey, isn't it? Regional you... variants.
0: Right, it's the hokey cokey. Regional
1: variants.
0: It, it, what's it called in France? The hokey cokey. The hokey cokey. Oh, right, oh Russ, Russ. Russ, don't offend anyone, this or hokey, Russ. Or I can assume like. Um, instead of infending. Um, just Google. Google <laughs> translate hokey cokey in France. Um... And so what Mandry's and her daughter did was create special invitations, pass them out to a community and invite them to a a one-in-a-million surprise party, a hokey, cokey, flash mob. The the neighbours donning birthday hats assembled on the front lawn of Mrs B's home where they put their whole selves in and broke out in a performance of her favourite song. Um, And there is a video that goes with... Um, Mrs. B's obsession with a hokey-cokey and shows them um, frightening her with a hokey-cokey flash mob. I love
1: it. It's the hokey-pokey
0: in France. Is it the hokey-pokey in France? I about in Germany?
1: We're the outlier.
0: Are we? Are we the we, only one
1: that calls it the, the st-
0: hokey-cokey? <laughs> Amazing. That is a fact that I have learned today. That well, is... I don't know if we're the only one, but I know in France they call it the hokey-pokey. Right, we... we before... Um, uh, before uh, before Charlotte gets on with googling every single country to see what they call the hokey okay, cokey, okay. here we go. <laughs> Shall we get on with the show? You want to talk about the hokey cokey? let talk about the hokey cokey.
1: Okay, the hokey cokey, United Kingdom of the Caribbean, or hokey pokey, South Africa, United States, Canada, Australia, and Israel, is a campfire song and participation dance with a distinctive accompanying tune and lyric structure. Uh, is so, right, hokey- Where did they think it the hokey pokey? South Africa, United States, Canada, Australia, and Israel. And France. And France.
0: How about Germany? Uh,
1: Denmark, New Zealand, pokey. Right, uh, this, is this is
0: new facts. This is new facts, Russ. Yeah, right. so
1: basically it's just here and there.
0: Now, normally, field. normally, Charlotte, you um, drive the show forward when I get distracted. Um the but, hockey, now, hockey. but now you're, you've been distracted by the name of the hokey-cokey um which is a bit of a uh, bit of a good thing to get distracted about but should we get on with the show So in our interview today, we've got the first part of an interview with a gentleman called Mr. Oli Tapper. Oli is a bit of a legend. Uh, He is doing amazing work encouraging people to use their wealth for the benefit of the environment. And he explains a lot more in the first part of the interview. Shall we listen? Let's do it. Hi, Oli. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
2: How are you today? I'm good. Thank you very much. How are you doing?
0: Good, yeah, very, very good. Thank you. I know we had a bit of a sort of pre-podcast chat about my running pains, um, and I know you said you uh, you get out on the on the on the roads a bit. But are you do you think what what's your like sort of pre-COVID and pre-sort of uh, what's going on at the minute, where there was a few more restrictions? What do you do to sort of stay in shape? What do you do to stay fit?
2: Well, yeah. So I mean, I mean during uh during COVID, there was a lot of running but before that i'm i'm massively into my football um and and i loved it and, and at uni that would sort of be a, a highlight of the week you know you, you work a bit during the week emphasis on a bit uh and then <laughs> on on the weekends you go out and and play football which was great and I, I also loved a bit of cricket but i can't really say that cricket's um that active or. or Doing
0: that work, yeah. it. it's a it's a bit it's a it's a bit more sedate than sort of running around on the on the football pitch, is is it? Um, and what's your position? What's your
2: uh, what's your position in on the pitch? Uh, well, I play striker, so I'm a bit of a a sort of glory hunter, um, and and trying to trying to bag goals where I can. Um, but yeah, I I I absolutely love it, and um,
0: I I I I love I love a good game of football, and I can run around pretty pretty well but my complete lack of coordination means that i i really shouldn't shouldn't play football i mean it was it was funny i I don't know if i've ever told you the story and i might have mentioned it on the podcast before but um one of our as as some of our listeners know i run a financial planning business and one of the um uh one of the um things that i got asked to do by one of our sort of magazines trade magazines it, this was a few years ago was come and have a game of football with a bunch of other financial advisors and planners um and then um relate some financial co- uh, um, concepts to these football analogies mm-hmm. um and when the journalist phoned me i thought you know what it sounds like it's going to be good fun um but i did warn him that that even though i'm in pretty good shape, pretty fit. I've got no football, no coordination, so no football skills at all. And Ollie said to me, don't worry, because um, uh, I've got this new slow motion camera that will make anybody look good. So, agreed to do it. Um, uh, He said that there were going to be like 15 or 20 turn up. There was three of us that turned up to do this thing, which was a a bit painful. Um, Did it, you know sort of uh it's a video be out in a month um and um i can now confirm that um i am probably the only footballer in the world who looks um worse in slow motion than uh than than in full speed i mean it wasn't it wasn't a good look it just accentuated every single um every single mistake i made um anyway it's this podcast isn't about me it's about you so tell us a bit about you
2: and what you're up to oh well thanks chris um well well obviously as you've said i'm I'm ollie i'm 23 um i'm i'm calling you today from my my childhood bedroom desk where um in the last year uh well last year and a bit actually I, i've taken my finals for university i've graduated and I've started a new job, so it's seen me through uh, a lot of sort of big life events in recent time. Yeah. Um, and, and in terms of about me, well, um, I'd say I've probably got two main passions in life. One we've already talked a bit about, um, which is sport, um, and then the other one, which is is the environment. So it's been a great summer for sports, less good for the environment. Um, but from a personal perspective, I, I'm very lucky. Uh, because I, I'm in a job where I can work for an environmental initiative um, called the Global Returns Project during the week and then come the weekend I get to play sports so I feel like I'm uh, pretty best of both exactly. It's, it's it's a very lucky position to be in.
0: So, so I'm curious about two things. Um, firstly, uh, and, and it's interesting because Charlotte who isn't here today because she's at college but obviously, well, I was with me normally, has gone through a similar transition but a couple of years um a couple of years before you what's been the biggest challenge about going through the transition
2: you have in this in this period um well yeah i mean i, th- I think obviously covid uh has been pretty pretty challenging and, and uh the lack of kind of contact with other people and, and the, the lack of face-to-face stuff i know we're doing this over zoom which is great but i don't think anything beats actually being in the office with someone or or yeah, right. or being next to someone or, or or just actually having those um chats and, and having the body language there so i think that's that's kind of been quite difficult for me starting in in it in, in a new uh position but i think from from a personal point of view um it's it's kind of quite daunting going from a space where you've got a lot of kind of um hand-holding and um, things are laid out for you uh, to suddenly a position where you've got to be proactive and you've got to go and um, do what you think is the right thing to do which is daunting but also really exciting
0: yeah it's interesting isn't it I mean it's I um I don't know whether I could sort of live my life day to day without a pretty high level of autonomy um, but getting used to that um as as taken time so it's an interesting one and, and before we um, talk about the global returns project which we certainly will in in a decent amount there
2: um football so who's your team well um and and you might not have heard of them but they're Yeovil town um, okay yeah and they're they're based in somerset um which is where my grandparents live actually i, I was a chelsea fan until the age of five and and then you decided to stop glory having, is that what yeah, well, you I actually stopped, I, I stopped supporting them when they... they when got they got good. The <laughs> I got um, yeah. And then I switched to Yeovil town um, and saw a meteoric rise up to the championship, um, which was fantastic. It was some, some of the greatest moments of my, my childhood was spent uh, with, with my dad watching uh, Yeovil play and, and we were we we're playing it to a really high standard, but then... We've had a significant pull from grace since then and last six or seven years we've gone from championship down to uh the conference and the national league at the moment so um it's it's all or nothing with yoval uh, and i wouldn't have it any other way
0: well, I mean, you need to. I mean, sort of it gets boring when your team's winning all the time. And as a as a West Ham fan, I I sort of know what oh. that's like. I mean, we did have two weeks this season where we were we were top of the league, but it didn't it didn't last that long, and I don't think it will. But um, it was really. I mean, it's weird because I was over I was over there for the Crystal Palace match a couple of weeks ago, and um, uh, I forgot how amazing a atmosphere live is. you know you've just sort of haven't been to a match for two and a bit years so uh when they started singing i'm forever playing bubbles it all uh, it, it was uh, it was good fun um right and i i know um i know that um sort of you said that you are lucky enough to be able to pursue your passions and one of them is sort of helping support um us being a bit kinder to the environment. And you do that through the global returns project what does the global returns project do tell us about that
2: um yeah so i mean the global returns project it's a, it's a uk registered charity um and it's run by ex financial services professionals and and the overarching aim of it and it, it's an ambitious aim but um you've got to be ambitious when it comes to uh, something the scale of the climate crisis is to raise 10 billion dollars per year by 2030 for the most effective climate and nature, not for profits. Um, And and in order to do that, we've we've come up with this new idea. It's a a new way for individuals to manage their wealth. uh, And and we call it symbiotic wealth management. Um, And I I guess the the basic premise is that the old fashioned method for managing wealth is broken um, because everyone's savings and investments depend on the natural world around us for their value. And so you know extractive forms of investing or or saving that act active, to actively damage the environment and um, in the long run they're going to actively damage uh, an individual's medium to long term returns because we can't we can't sustain it's not sustainable it, yeah. it's not sustainable and 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 so that's why we've got esg and, and sustainable investing now which is great and there's so many amazing climate solutions that have, have come out of this this boom but we also know at the same time that there are some places that esg can't reach there's some, some places the market can't reach and um, and it's not for profits and um, that solve problems with no market solutions they sue polluters they protect rainforests provide energy to the billion of people billion people in, in the global south without it so they do amazing stuff um and so our message really is that it's time for something new in wealth management mm. and we help individuals allocate a small proportion of their savings and investments each year. And and most people start at a quarter of a percent uh, and we help them allocate this to a selection of the most effective not for profits protecting the natural world. Um, And so the 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 over overreaching kind of symbiotic idea is that um, as an individual sustainable portfolio depends on the natural world for its value, if you can allocate a small amount of that to not-for-profits that are protecting the environment, then you'll also be protecting your medium to long-term returns. Gotcha. So the morally responsible thing to do. It's also financially sensible as well.
0: Yeah, and um, I, I, sp- I suppose one of the things that sort of you've, you've highlighted there is, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, not only using sort of making sensible longer-term financial decisions, because if we can do more to protect the world, you know the capitalist economy should potentially continue to generate the returns you're looking for and therefore by donating a bit to a not don't, donating a bit to protect um uh the globe you're, you're in a position where you can uh, potentially support that um but i suppose there's a Is there's an extra question isn't there it's that feeling that you're um you've you've got a bit of purpose so i'm i'm reading a i'm reading a uh, book at the minute by a sort of guy called paul dolan he's a a behavioral uh, economist from london school of economics and his book is about happiness and uh he talks a lot about you know we you know, happiness in life isn't only designed, uh, only, um, only sort of driven by the um, sort of hedonistic pleasure-seeking part, but also as humans, we desire a sense of purpose. Now, in the book, he talks about a sense of purpose through purposeful work, but I suppose through this, we can have uh, through through a campaign like this, purpose can be driven in a in a way that. We know that our money's working for the for the benefit of a, of a of a of a bigger picture. What do you think about that?
2: No, I completely agree with that. And and it sounds like a, a very interesting book. I I mean, I think from a broader point of view, uh the pandemic is as devastating as it's been, is it's demonstrated to us all that we are tied to the natural world. There's no escaping it. We are part of it. And actually lots of people have realized in lockdown that they actually quite like being outside and they quite like, you know being with nature and so i think you are 100% right actually that sense of purpose that we get from the natural world that we don't know about i think is something that that you know a lot of people have, have come to realize and and so yes this is this is something that people can do uh, and it's actually one of the most well, it is the most effective individual action that that anyone can take yes. to help tackle the the climate and nature crisis
0: uh, so so the money goes directly to non-profits then not the money is not invested directly in commercial organizations um uh, because there is specific work that those non-profits can't do so uh, sorry can do that that commercial organizations probably don't give me an example a specific ex- example of one project that you guys are looking to fund or fund already
2: that has that impact yeah, so I mean, there's, there's a there's a very interesting organization we support called Whale and Dolphin Conservation. Uh, now, a lot of people listening might think, well, what on earth do whales have to do with the climate crisis? Well, actually, recent research has said that um, whales perform a really important function in, in the Earth system by not only when they die, they, they sink to the ocean floor and, and store carbon there but also when they they defecate at the surface, they stimulate phytoplankton, which are these amazing microscopic creatures that sequester CO2 in huge quantities. Um, And so uh, the more whales we have in the ocean, actually not only the nicer the the ocean is and the more amazing creatures we have in there, also the better it is for our environment. Now, Whale and Dolphin Conservation are a not-for-profit who are doing work to protect these amazing cetaceans. And we know that for every year that a whale well, is in the ocean, they, they sequester about 250 tons of CO2. And that's just something that a market solution can't do because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not um, economically uh, profitable. And so that's why we need these amazing organizations doing that work. And that's just one example, and that there's, there's various others that one and is, it, is
0: their role is there is their role a protection role or is it a, a how, how do they make sure that those you know that the sea life is protected
2: well yes yeah, so i mean they, they have um an advocacy function so um for example they've um undertaken projects where they've Campaign against whale meat and, yeah. and eating whale meat in Iceland, yeah. for example. But but they also um, tackle issues like um, bycatch, where whales might be caught in, in fishing nets, and, and and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so it's it's both advocacy letting people and corporations know what's going on, but it's also actually on the ground going out and doing yeah, the practical
0: work as well. Yeah. And you need a combination of both, don't you? 100%. Because if the laws don't change, then potentially you're you're sort of you're you're sort of only solving the on the ground stuff. That makes that makes perfect sense to me. Um, uh, and I didn't realise the impact of that biodiversity on CO2. You know, that link is probably not well understood, right?
2: Yeah, no, 100%, and, and it's a really interesting link. And actually, there was a, a new report published by the IPCC, who, who are a, a major organisation tackling climate change, and IPBES, who do it for biodiversity. And they recently said, for too long, we've been working in in on our own. Let's do a report together. What they found is biodiversity and climate are inter, inter, interlinked. They're interlinked, completely interlinked. And so if we're going to tackle one, we have to tackle the other. And 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 it's kind of an amazing realization that actually nature is so much more powerful than we thought because it's all linked together. And 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 so there's so many opportunities for for us to to sort this out
0: i suppose a challenge Ollie, and and again um i'm not a natural cynic uh i'm i'm a natural optimist but uh, i want to make sure that we're having that conversation so our listeners know you know the impact they can actually make i suppose the a lot a lot of the argument is whatever we do um uh is go, going to be a drop in the ocean compared to the sort of some of the bigger issues and potentially you need global engagement to tackle climate change from both countries companies and people and non-profits for for f- to make meaningful change and i think when sometimes you know uh you know the conversations i have had with well-meaning people sometimes it feels a bit hopeless because the impact that they make um Uh, feels too small to have a global impact. Now, my argument to that would probably be similar to yours, to say, look, it all starts with one person, and and then as a collective, we can potentially sort of move change. But how do we get a real collective approach when there's so many interests, so many different countries, so many different personalities, so many
2: individuals that,
0: that need to get together to tackle this issue?
2: That's a great question um, and a hard question, um, but yes. also important. <laughs> I, mean, um, I, th- I think we kind of got to start by acknowledging that the governments are going to be central to this in the long term. There's no way around that. We've also got to acknowledge that they're moving way too slowly at the moment, that the, the progress is too slow. And so we need something in this crucial decade for our planet that, that is going to work, work in our favour. And, and um, we are actually seeing large corporations and large financial institutions move quickly, and you know, to appeal to the Senate with a new Chris. Uh, the reason that these these institutions might be moving quickly is because they've seen that there's huge demand from individuals. They've seen that people want to invest sustainably. They've seen that people want to buy ethically. They've seen that people don't want to be funding fossil fuel companies. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that major um, drive in, in large corporations is is makes me majorly optimistic because it shows the individuals are making a difference. Um, I guess the other thing really um, to to think about when you think about this whole issue of um, is climate is climate change too big? Is the climate crisis too big? I think one of the things that I I really like about what you're doing with the kindness projects, uh, particularly over the last year, is that when things have been really tough, uh, and when things have been, it it could have been easy for people to get into a sort of spiral of hopeless thinking, you've just illuminated pockets of joy and light in the world. Um, And people I've come out of an episode that I've listened to feeling that that actually there's a lot more happiness and kindness in the world than we thought before. And I think there's a, a parallel to be drawn with with the climate crisis. I think if we start thinking about it as this huge issue that no one person can can sort out, we're, we're doomed. And behavioural research yeah. tells us we're doomed. Yeah, yeah. Um, But if we if we think, you know, even starting something as small as well, every ton of CO two saved is important, and nothing goes yeah. to waste. It's it's a great place to start. And then if I mean, we also see amazing stuff that's going on. I mean, in COVID, dolphins returning to Venice, like the natural world restoring itself all of those little things we can see that things can can change very quickly
0: i'm well i'm with you on this mate 100 percent because you think about you know firstly um the the um i, I doubt the kindness project has got uh uh many cynical listeners um, but um, with, a, with, with now we're uh, now we're hitting milestone of a thousand people a day. I just I just don't know who's listening at the minute. So so it's one of those things where you go right. I've got to ask the question. But I you know I, I I'm with you in terms of that optimism. And it's not a black and white issue. It's an incremental gains issue, isn't it? You know, it's not about doing everything or nothing. It's about what can we do just to make it a little bit better collectively, and collectively that turns into potentially quite a quite a big deal you know I mean you know we we can do what we can to make the environment and and uh, sort of the sort of climate crisis better is the issue ever going to go away probably not um, because the globe is all is already warmer than it was um can we slow down that change potentially and uh, yeah I, I i admire your optimism on the on that mate and so that's the first part of what he's up to and and genuinely you know he has the potential of uh, him and his organization have the potential to have an amazing impact on how people use their money for good uh, and the second part of that interview is going to be coming next week shall we Get on with the show.
1: Righto, my time to shine. Tis the end on the podcast. Tis the end is never really the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new and I'm going to continue <laughs> waffling until you have got all of our documents up. Necessary. <laughs>
0: so, uh, last week's question, we've only got a handful of answers this week. We need to ask more compelling questions. It's getting difficult now, 190 episodes in, was... Who is your favourite Kudo character? Wrong answers only. And we've got a few. John Cook said Captain Scarlet. Paul Middleton said Doctor Who? Didn't really get the uh, the the sort of idea. Andrew Berwick said Inspector Gadget. David Ford Stite says uh, Ziggy Stardust, Admiral Avocado, and the Crimson Cross Dresser. I thought that was Russell. Um uh, uh, <laughs> That's Holly Ollie Smith said, Mr. Bun the Baker and his deadly (laughs) life. And that, my friends, is truly the end of another podcast. Have a lovely week. We'll see you next time. And uh, thank you for listening to the Kindness Project. Bye.
1: Bye.